Section thirty eight, volume five of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christine in Oslo, Norway. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 5, Section 38. When it was the five hundred and fifth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that in the gloaming Yansha and his men took to flight, and fled along the soul of the Vadi till the morning. With the break of dawn the apes were up and at them, which, when the prince saw, he shouted to his men, smite with your swords so they bared their blades and laid on load right and left till they ran at them an ape with tusks like an elephant and smote one of the mamelukes and cut him in sunder then the apes redoubled upon yansha and he fled with his followers into the lower levels of the valley where he saw a vast river and by its side a mighty army of ants when the emmets espied Yansha, they pushed on and surrounded him, and one of the slaves fell to smiting them with his sword and cutting them in twain, whereupon the whole host set upon him and slew him. At this pass, behold, up came the apes from over the mountain and fell in numbers upon Yansha, but he tore off his clothes and, plunging into the river, with his remaining servant struck out for the middle of the stream. Presently he caught sight of a tree on the other bank, so he swam up to it, and laying hold of one of its branches, hung to it and swung himself ashore. But as for the last mameluke, the current carried him away, and dashed him to pieces against the mountain. Thereupon Yansha fell to wringing his clothes, and spreading them in the sun to dry. What while there befell a fierce fight between the apes and the ants, until the apes gave up the pursuit and returned to their own land. Meanwhile, Jansha, who abode alone on the river-bank, could do naught but shed tears till nightfall, when he took refuge in a cavern, and there passed the dark hours, in great fear and feeling desolate for the loss of his slaves. At daybreak, awakening from his sleep, he set out again, and fared on nights and days, eating of the herbs of the earth, till he came to the mountain which burnt like fire, and thence he made the river which dried up every Sabbath. Now it was a mighty stream, and on the opposite bank stood a great city, which was the capital of the Jews mentioned in the tablet. Here he abode till the next Sabbath, when the river dried up, and he walked over to the other side, and entered the Jew city but saw none on the streets. So he wandered about, till he came to the door of a homestead, which he opened and entering, espied within the people of the house, sitting in silence and speaking not a syllable. Quoth he, I am a stranger, and unhungered. And they signed to him, as to say, Eat and drink, but speak not. So he ate, and drank, and slept that night, and, when morning dawned, the master of the house greeted him, and bade him welcome, and asked him, Whence comest thou, and whither art thou bound? At these words, Janshah wept sore, 
and told him all that had befallen him, and how his father was king of Cabo. Whereat the Jew marvelled and said, Never heard we of that city, but we have heard from the merchants of the caravans that in that direction lieth a land called Al-Yaman. How far is this land from this place? asked Janshah, and the Jew answered, The Kafila merchants pretend that it is a two years and three months' march from their land hither, quoth Janshah, and when doth the caravan come, quoth the Jew, next year it will come. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and sixth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the Jew was questioned anent the coming of the caravan, he replied, Next year it will come. At these words the prince wept sore, and fell a sorrowing for himself and his mamelukes and lamenting his separation from his mother and father, and all which had befallen him in his wanderings. Then said the Jew, O young man, do not weep, but sojourn with us till the caravan shall come, when we will send thee with it to thine own country. So he tarried with the Jew two whole months, and every day he went out walking in the streets for his solace and diversion. Now it chanced one day, whilst he paced about the main thoroughfares as of want and was bending his steps right and left he heard a crier crying out loud and saying who will earn a thousand gold pieces and a slave girl of surpassing beauty and loveliness by working for me between morning and noontide but no one answered him and jansa said in his mind were not this work dangerous and difficult he would not offer a thousand dinners and a fair girl for a half a day's labour. Then he accosted the crier and said, I will do the work. So the man carried him to a lofty mansion, where they found one who was a Jew and a merchant, seated on an ebony chair, to whom quoth the crier, standing respectfully before him. O oh, merchant, I have cried every day these three months, and none hath answered save this young man. Hearing his speech, the Jew welcomed Janshah, led him into a magnificent sitting-room, and signalled to bring food. So the servants spread the table, and set thereon all manner meats, of which the merchants and Janshah ate, and washed their hands. Then wine was served up, and they drank, after which the Jew rose, and bringing it Janshah, a purse of a thousand dinners, and a slave-girl of rare beauty, said to him, Take maid and money to thy hire. Janshah took them and seated the girl by his side when the trader resumed. Tomorrow to the work. And so saying, he withdrew, and Janshah slept with the damsel that night. As soon as it was morning, the merchant bade his slaves clothe him in a costly suit of silk when as he came out of the hammam bath. So they did as he bade them and brought him back to the house whereupon the merchant called for a harp and a lute and wine, and they drank and played and made merry till the half of the night was past, when the Jew retired to his harem, and Janshah lay with his slave-girl till the dawn. Then he went to the bath, and on his return the merchant came to him and said, Now I wish thee to do the work for me. I hear and obey, replied Janshah. So the merchant bade his slaves, bring two she-mules, and set Janshah on one, 
mounting the other himself. Then they rode forth from the city and fared on from morn till noon, when they made a lofty mountain, to whose height was no limit. Here the Jew dismounted, ordering Janshah to do the same. And when he obeyed, the merchant gave him a knife and a cord, saying, I desire that thou slaughter this mule. So Janshah tucked up his sleeves and skirts, and going up to the mule, bound her legs with the cord, then threw her and cut her throat. After which she skinned her, and lopped off her head and legs, and she became a mere heap of flesh. Then said the Jew, Slit open the mule's belly, and enter it, and I will sew it up on thee. There must thou abide a while, and whatsoever thou seest in her belly, acquaint me therewith. So Janshah slit the mule's belly and crept into it, whereupon the merchant suited up on him and withdrew a distance. And Shaharasid perceived the dawn of a day and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and seventh night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the merchant sued up the mule's belly on Janshah and, withdrawing to a distance, hid himself in the skirts of the mountain. After a while a huge bird swooped down on the dead mule and snatched it up, flew up with it to the top of the mountain, where it set down the quarry and would have eaten it. But Janshah, feeling the bird begin to feed, slit the mule's belly and came forth. When the bird saw him, it took fright at him and flew right away, whereupon he stood up and, looking right and left, saw nothing but the carcasses of dead men mummied by the sun, and exclaimed, there is no majesty and there is no might save in Allah, the glorious, the great. Then he looked down the precipice and espied the merchant standing at the mountain foot, looking for him. As soon as the Jew caught sight of him, he called out to him, Throw me down of the stones which are about thee, that I may direct thee to a way whereby thou mayst descend. So Janshah threw him down some two hundred of the stones, which were all rubies, chrysolites, and other gems of price, after which he called out to him, saying, Show me the way down, and I will throw thee as many more. But the Jew gathered up the stones, and, binding them on the back of the mule, went his way without answering a word, and left Janshah alone on the mountain top. When the prince found himself deserted, he began to weep and implore help of heaven, and thus he abode three days, after which he rose and fared on over the mountainous ground two months' space, feeding upon hill-herbs, and he ceased not faring till he came to its skirts and espied afar of a wadi full of fruitful trees and birds harmonious singing the praises of Allah the One, the Victorious. At this sight he joyed with great joy, and stayed not his steps till, after an hour or so, he came to a ravine in the rocks, through which the rain-torrents fell into the valley. He made his way down the cleft, till he reached the valley which he had seen from the mountain-top, and walked on therein, gazing right and left, nor ceasing so doing, until he came in sight of a great castle, towering high in air. As he drew near the gates, he saw an old man of comely aspect, and face shining with light, standing thereat with a staff of carnelian in his hand, and going up to him, saluted him. 
the sheikh returned his salam and bade him welcome saying sit down o my son so he sat down at the door of the castle and the old man said to him how comest thou to this land untrodden by son of adam before thee and whither art thou bound when janshah heard these words he wept bitterly at the thought of all the hardship he had suffered and his tears choked his speech quoth the sheikh o my son leave weeping for indeed thou makest my heart ache so saying he rose and set somewhat of food before him and said to him eat he ate and praised allah almighty after which the old man besought him saying o my son i would have thee tell me thy tale and acquaint me with thine adventures so janshah related to him all that had befallen him from first to last where the shaykh marvelled with exceeding marvel then said the prince prithee inform me who is the lord of this valley and to whom doth this great castle belong answered the old man know o my son this valley and all that is therein and this castle with all it contains belong to the lord solomon son of david and both be peace as for me my name is shaykh nasr king of the birds for thou must know that the lord solomon committed this castle to my charge and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say when it was the five hundred and eighth night she said it hath reached me o auspicious king that shaykh nasr pursued thou must know that the lord solomon committed this castle to my charge and taught me the language of birds and made me ruler over all the fowls which be in the world wherefore each and every come hither once in the twelve month and i pass them in review then they depart and this is why i dwell here when janshah heard this he wept sore and said to shaykh o my father how shall i do to get back to my native land replied the old man know o my son that thou art near the, to the mountain calf and there is no departing for thee from this place till the birds come when i will give thee in charge to one of them and he will bear thee to thy native country meanwhile tarry with me here and eat and drink and divert thyself with viewing the apartments of this castle so janshah abode with shaykh nasr taking his pleasure in the wadi and eating of its fruits and laughing and making merry with the old man and leading a right joyous life till the day appointed for the birds to pay their annual visit to the governor thereupon the shaykh said to him o janshah take the keys of the castle and solace thyself with exploring all its apartments and viewing whatever be therein but as regards such a room beware and again beware of opening its door and if thou gainsay me and open it and enter there through nevermore shall thou know fair fortune he repeated this charge again and again with much instance then he went forth to meet the birds which came up kind by kind and kissed his hands such was his case but as regards janshah he went round about the castle opening the various doors and viewing the apartments into which they led till he came to the room which shaykh nasr 
had warned him not to open or enter. He looked at the door, and its fashion pleased him, for it had on it a padlock of gold, and he said to himself, This room must be goldlier than all the others. Would heaven I wist what is within it, that Shaykh Nasr should forbid me to open its door. There is no help but that I enter and see what is in this apartment, for whatso is decreed unto the creature perforce he must fulfil. So he put out his hand, and unlocked the door, and entering, found himself before a great basin, and hard by it stood a little pavilion, builded all of gold and silver and crystal, with lattice windows of jacinth. The floor was paved with green beryl, and balas rubies, and emeralds, and other jewels, set in the groundwork mosaic fashion, and in the midmost of the pavilion was a jetting fountain in a golden basin, full of water and a girt about with figures of beasts and birds cunningly wrought of gold and silver and casting water from their mouths when the zephyr blew on them it entered their ears and therewith the figures sang out with bird-like song each in its own tongue beside the fountain was a great open saloon with a high dais whereon stood a vast throne of carnelian inlaid with pearls and jewels, over which was spread a tent of green silk fifty cubits in width, and embroidered with gems fit for seal-rings, and purfled with precious metals. Within this tent was a closet containing the carpet of the Lord Solomon, on whom be peace, and the pavilion was compassed about with a vast garden full of fruit-trees and streams, while near the palace were beds of roses and basil and eglantine, and all manner sweet-smelling herbs and flowers. And the trees bore on the same bought fruits, fresh and dry, and the branches swayed gracefully to the wooing of the wind. All this was in that one apartment, and Janshah wandered thereat till he was weary of wonderment, and he set out of to solace himself in the palace, and the garden, and to divert himself with the quaint and curious things they contained. And first looking at the basin, he saw that the gravels of its bed were gems and jewels and noble metals, and many other strange things were in that apartment. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. End of section 38 Recording by Christine in Oslo, Norway, the 3rd of August, 2011.